You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. What's up, creeps, and welcome to another Epic Film Guys Fresh Fright Review. I'm Justin. I'm Jermaine. Yeah, there he is. I'm Be Ready. Oh, don't sound so fucking enthused here. All right, Brady. Look, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk or not, because before we started fucking recording, you were like, don't fucking talk. I got to count down. So I'm just going Well, listen, with it. when we're about to count down and record an episode for a review, I don't need to hear about Martin Scorsese movie that we're not talking about. I thought okay? you were listen, a film critic. Jesus. Um, yeah. Well, if that was the subject of the episode today, <laughs> then Spoiler alert. It's not. Sorry, guys. Talk about. No, it's not. We're talking about the first new slasher movie to land in theaters for 2024 in limited theatrical release as of right this moment founders day a lesser known a lesser talked about horror movie that landed in theaters last week i can't find any information at all whatsoever in terms of box office for this but i know it's limited and i do know as well that when i went and saw it on opening night there was literally myself and my wife and one other dude in the theater but they did have posters up outside of the theater and they did have digital posters inside of the regal nice. that i went to mm-hmm. i did have to drive a good 35 miles to see it cuz there aren't any theaters in my area that showed it and unfortunately though i told alamo draft house we should show it they just said no so we saw it we all saw it yeah yeah there yeah. was i would me and my buddy Chris Keeney went and saw it, and there were six other people in the theater. And oh uh, wow, six! Okay. Going to uh, to AMC theaters reminded me of why I don't go to AMC theaters, man. Because <laughs> oh, let me tell you what: if this was an Alamo Draft House, I would have wrote on the motherfucking card and been like, "Dudes in front of me, get them gone," and turn the fucking button on and let the the servers come over and handle it. Because, dude. I, you know what, man? I'm going to be an old man, and I'm going to shake my fist right now and say some old Do man it. shit. Go for it. Man, Bring so it what? On. what's the generation after? Is it, is it Gen Gen X, Gen Y? What the fuck is it? Who, which one? Because we're, we're, we're millennials, so it's the, we're millennials, the generation yeah. after us. Who the fuck are they? Is Isn't it, that Gen Z? Gen Z. Okay, I was Element OP, There's millennials, there's, there's Gen Y, and... And then there's Gen Next. I don't. I don't know. I don't know, man. But let me tell you what. These. Don't get me wrong. I like my cell phone, right? It, it's fantastic. I do a lot of eBay. I'll, I do a lot of poster group stuff. I do stuff for, um, you know, obviously for the podcast and other things. I like my phone quite a bit. I'm attached to it, but I'm not so attached to it that it has to be in front of my face 24 hours a day. And one thing that I notice, man, is that the the generation below us, dude. They can't ever be in the fucking moment, man. Like, dude, I swear to God, there was three dudes in front of me, and they were, you know, super young um, <laughs> compared to what me and Chris are. And I shit you not, all three of them were on their phones the entire movie. I'm talking about even watching videos. 
while the movie's on. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have any sound on, mean. but they were watching videos. They were responding to messages. They sat right in front of me. I could see everything they were doing. And I'm like, why are you fucking here? Like, why did you choose to, to buy a ticket to this movie? I'm sure the filmmakers are thankful because, you know, Justin had one person in the theater. There was like six people in my theater. But why the fuck are you here when clearly you don't care to watch this movie? And one of the funny things that I watched one of the dudes do was he recorded the screen for when the, the fucking logo came up for Founders Day. And then I watched him post it on whatever fucking social media thing he was using. Like, oh yeah, I'm in the theater watching Founders Day. And it's like, you're in the theater, but you're not watching shit, dude. Because the moment he posted that, I swear to God, he looked at his phone for the rest of the movie. So it's like so fucking obnoxious and it's it's why I don't go to AMC but Alma Drafthouse was not showing it I was like man one of my favorite subgenres of horror is slashers so I had I was like all right I'm roughing it I'm roughing it I'm going into the wild of AMC to go see this thing and there I was and I watched it yeah I mean this has been an ongoing thing, I think, uh, for cinephiles all over and continuously mentioned and discussed. A few weeks back, there was uh, someone that tweeted a picture of someone in front of them. They had to take a picture because someone was literally on their laptop, Jeremy, sitting in front of them on their laptop the entire fucking movie they were watching. I forget what movie it was. Um, it was actually artist Alex Pardee who, who tweeted this. His work is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I like but that. I was like... I would have, I mean, personally, if I saw someone with their laptop, I would 100% get up, go tell a manager, and be like, listen, this fucker's, I mean, it would ruin the movie for me, but yeah. I know there are other people, especially if it's a packed theater, due diligence, man, like, get this fucking person out of here. Back in the day, before cell phones were such a big thing, I know I've told this story before, uh, when, if people would talk, I if I had change in my pocket back when I'd carry cash, I'd literally flick pennies at their heads. Yeah. I didn't give a fuck, nope. dude. I really didn't. And it's it just gotten worse and worse. Even over the summer last year when we got invited to a press screening of Talk to Me, you didn't you couldn't make it that night or whatever. But there were actually people in there on their phones. I, I, I even remember when we saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. There were press people. There were actual published film critics in the theater with their phones out, not writing down notes about the movie, but like literally looking at their social media while the movie was playing. Yep. Put your Huge pet peeve of mine. I fucking yeah. hate it. Like, it makes no sense to me, and that's why, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but much like you just said, that's why I take a lot of pride in being involved with Alamo Drafthouse. That's why it's the best theater chain in the world, because if you do have a problem like this, which is very rare if you do, but if you do, it's easily taken care of, it's removed, it's resolved, and you can enjoy the cinematic experience. Yeah, Brady. How many people? How many people were in your theater, and did anyone have their phones out? Uh, in your <laughs> yeah, I had three people in my theater. It was also uh, much like you both. I had to travel not too far. It was like thirty minutes for me. Um, but it's uh, it was a Regal, and they only do one showing per day, and it's at eight forty-five p.m. Uh, but it was Saturday when I saw it, uh, and yeah, it was a, an elderly couple. I'd say probably in their like. 60s in front of me and then just some old school slasher fans yeah some guy in the back who was probably roughly around the same age and then me uh so kind of like this podcast and um <laughs> if i had sound effects but uh, put them i will say though the the couple in front of me they were on their phones a lot i think they were on a date but they were 
they were on their phones and then at the end it was almost like they were filming the credits rolling so i don't know it was it was weird so it's kind of funny you bring up the phones because like they weren't like obnoxious with it for me but again it it i mean listen i I have to be very clear about this because you know being transparent about it someone might say something about the fact that you know i posted to the instagram Video is from being at Batman 89 live in concert, live with live orchestra. Key thing and key difference is, is when I do do that, I make sure I set my phone in my in front of my chest where no one can see any light at all whatsoever, where it's angled perfectly, where no one can see the screen. And I'm just literally filming so I could post it so people can experience it as well. And I'm still watching the screen. I'm still watching the orchestra. I'm not looking at my phone as I'm doing it. There's a huge difference there. Also, I think with new releases, it's fucking illegal first and foremost. But you're you're ruining something for somebody that is seeing it for the first time. So it's it's a totally different thing. Absolutely. But I, I had to bring that up because you know some someone could be like, "Hey, listen, motherfucker, I see you fucking posted. hypocritical motherfucker." <laughs> but in reality, but in reality, if if there was not a way for me to do it where it would actually, you know, someone could see my screen 100% wouldn't because that's totally against everything that I stand for. So I digress. Hashtag. I stand with Justin. There it is. There it is. Uh, But ladies and gentlemen, we're here. I don't know how many people listening right now have seen founders day, but as always 100% spoiler filled. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want it spoiled, don't listen yet. Uh, I mean, I don't know if a theater near you is playing it yet or not, but you might want to watch it. And if you don't give a fuck, awesome. Listen to the rest of the episode. Brady, if our listeners are uninitiated as to what Founders Day is all about, enlighten them, please. Yeah, uh, there's not much to it. A small town is shaken by a series of ominous killings in the days leading up to a heated mayoral election. Uh, directed and written by Eric Bloomquist and his brother Carson Bloomquist. Uh, stars Naomi Grace, Devin Druid, William Russ from uh, everybody knows him as the uh, dad from Boy Meets World. That's um, right. But that's I mean that's pretty much it in terms of names that are in this. I mean I think yeah, Ka- maybe Catherine Amy Curtin. Hart- Ka- Catherine Curtin sure. was in Orange. She was Black. one of the first ones. Yeah, yeah. she stood out. Amy Hargraves. To me. She's she's kind of known. Um, but yeah, so she's she's kind of known. She's yeah. not be ready certified, but you know, <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, you know what? <laughs> be ready uh, on on that subject as well. You are our resident politics guy. I'm actually looking at my phone right now at the New Hampshire primary election results. So yeah, uh, okay. Fitting. So you're Fucking doing nerd! the same thing that those assholes did in the theater, except for you're recording our podcast. And you admitted to our listeners that you're not paying attention and you're looking at politics stuff. Okay. Well, technically, but at least, at least at these le- two go hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least they go hand in hand. But yes, this is uh, politics heavy, if you will, uh, yeah. and heavy-handed, if I ever said so. Um, but you know what? I'll throw it to you first. Fuck it. We'll we'll try something different here. Uh, did you have any preconceived uh, excitement or anything for Founders Day? Um, I don't think so. Jeremy had sent this in the group chat a couple weeks ago. Um, and so I, I watched the trailer and it looked fine. Uh, to me, it was kind of like cool, like a beginning of the year, January dump release date. Um, could be fun though. Could be gory. Uh, the, the gavel that the killer uses and that shows up in the trailer seems like a cool concept. 
Um, but yeah. even from the trailer, you're like, all right, cool. It's going to be a, an election day movie uh, and the gavel. It's a little heavy handed. Um, so kind of went into it just expecting um, a slasher movie. And I would hope that it was good. But, you know, kept kept my my heart open. <laughs> really, I wanted to receive it. Um, but yeah, leaving the theater, I just I, I I'll get into it after you guys. But just, you know, I understand that there are going to be slashers that are funny uh, on purpose and, and by accident. And then there are slashers that mimic other slashers, right? So, you know, after Scream came out, everything wanted to be Scream. And now we're seeing this resurgence too, where it seems like now that Scream, you know, was up and coming again, we got a lot of slashers in the wake of that that wanted to copy that. And, and cool, kudos to them. And like, I, you know, I love Scream, so I'm happy to see it. But this movie just, it felt hollow and it felt like nothing hit a, hit, really hit a mark for me. And it felt like, the the political issue was so hammered into every fucking scene and it's like cool quite literally i love politics like i spent you know forty thousand (laughs) dollars to study it in school uh but it's just like you know you can do it a little more tactfully in in the movie and and you don't need to go quite as heavy-handed and and then leave you feeling still kind of confused at the end about what the overall message was which we'll get into but yeah those are my initial thoughts and Jeremy, I remember you actually commenting about this movie or sending it in our group chat or whatever and being like, holiday horror is back. And, you know, I, yep. I, so what What were your initial, you know, did you, were you excited? I'm sure you were excited because you said you were excited. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're getting a bit of a resurgence of slasher movies on the big screen. Uh, a resurgence meaning really two of them well outside of scream let me let me say that new slasher things because we got thanksgiving and then you know now we have founder's day so for me i'm like you got to think the landscape of horror the past you know 10 12 years has been primarily supernatural the conjuring insidious and and movies of that nature so horror has you know it always navigates to what is making money at the box office and supernatural has exactly. been, has been a driving force for what people have wanted and what studios have been willing to make. So now that we're seeing slashers films go theatrical again, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic. It's one of my favorite subgenres of horror, if not my favorite, I'll say that. Um, so I remember watching the trailer and thinking, okay, killer looks cool. Check. Killer's weapon is Fuck cool. Yeah. Check. Looks like some of the kills are going to be brutal. Check. I'm in. Like, that. you got me right there. I'm in. So, this wasn't something that I was, like, overly excited about. I mean, I, it wasn't even on my top five of most anticipated this year. So, it's not something that I was like, oh, holy fuck, I can't wait to see this. But, uh, <laughs> certainly something that, uh, you know, I'm like, I, I am going to go see this in theaters. Absolutely. And... When it started, I, the first, literally the very first scene when the dad and the daughter are having an argument because the daughter's like, it's because I'm a lesbian. And like, they're arguing over her sexual preference. I'm like, okay, um, you know, hopefully this isn't something that's just put into the movie because a lot of things are kind of going that way now in, in film and television. And as long as it services the story, cool. If you're doing it just to put it in as a device of like, 
this is what we're doing, then I don't know if it's if it's always right for the story. But I was like, all right, whatever. First 15 minutes into the movie, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this motherfucker. <laughs> like, I don't know. And then I realized, I'm like, well, I kind of in the moment, and it's really weird that I was able to do this, I separated how I was watching this movie, right? In the first 15 minutes, I was watching it like, this is a brand new horror film from 2024, and my expectations were a certain thing. And then I'm like, well, you know what? This is supposed to be a massive homage to 80s horror. So I was like, if... I knew you were going to say that. Dude, I was like, <laughs> if, if this movie came out in 1987, right? But it was never released. And now all of a sudden they're like, we found Founders Day and let's release it now in 2024, right? If this was a movie that came out in the 80s, how would I feel about it? I wouldn't question it is the answer. Absolutely not because we were given so many wonky ass slasher movies in the 80s that were some of them were absolutely ridiculous and I still just accepted everything. Like, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, let's do this. So in 15 minutes in, I go, watch the movie as if you were watching an 80s horror film that you've never seen. And I swear to God, it changed how I viewed the rest of the movie. I was able to sit back and laugh and enjoy and kind of, you know, really embrace this movie with its flaws. Because we're going to get into all the flaws because they're there. Um, it's kind of a miracle this was a theatrical re release, if, if we're being honest. But I, I really had a great time watching it because I'm like, you know what? This is very, very in line with how 80s slashers were formatted uh, and how they played out. We'll get to the ending soon because I have strong, strong feelings about the ending. Um, but, you know, that was kind of my initial, you know, how I felt going into it and how I felt while watching the majority of the movie was I had a fucking great time with it. I had very little, if any, expectations for it whatsoever. Interesting you went the route of like viewing it as an 80s slasher because I that didn't even occur to me. Yeah. It didn't occur to me necessarily except for the title, you know, and yeah. this felt this felt more like a graduation day yeah, yeah. or a final exam sure. in the sense of like that tone. Um, I, I I had much like the both of you very little expectation for it, but I was excited. I mean, it's January uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it a dumping ground anymore because we've gotten some really good movies in January the last couple of years. But I know what you mean in terms of like they don't put the their most promising or high profile mm -hmm. movies in January. It just came out. And I'm thankful that a movie like this could get a theatrical release, though very limited. It's still awesome to see, you know, Eric Bloomquist, who directed the movie. This is pretty much like his first big thing that he's done. He's done a lot of indie movies he's done the indie film festival circuit um and huge thanks to eric for i mean as soon as i tweeted that i was watching this movie and i got in the theater took a picture of the poster he was like get ready to laugh and that comment actually struck me because i was like hmm laugh that's interesting this is supposed to be like to me at least a, a serious in a sense horror movie and then 
I looked at it through a lens that I don't think a lot of people that are shitting all over it are seeing. This movie borders on satire. 100%. And I believe that it's intentional. One huge thing that stuck out to me in the first 15 minutes was the character of Harold Faulkner, played by Jay Spartak. And dude, if this motherfucker didn't go back to the 80s and watch every hammy-ass performance oh my in God, every one yeah. of those movies to channel that with his performance i don't know unless it just came to him naturally dude he is so fucking over the top i swear to god he was jumping through the screen at the audience the entire movie so he was an indication to me that the movie wasn't necessarily taking itself too seriously the only issue i have with this is it doesn't go full satire right it's not going it's extremely campy it's extremely tongue-in-cheek it doesn't go scary movie or shriek if you know what I did last Friday the 13th. <laughs> Not that level. But it does go in that direction of satire, of parody. It's extremely derivative of Scream. I mean, the fucking score that plays when the title hits oh is legitimately, it's like the same fucking notes as Marco Beltrami's Scream score. You even hear the oh chorus in the background. Dude. We see a crane shot at the end. I just have to bring it up. It's fucking Scream. Not only that, it's, dude, the the song that ended the original Scream movie, the song that they play at the end of this with the crane shot, very fucking reminiscent. Extremely Mm -hmm. similar. Now, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but the, the issue here that I had with it was that you'll have a character like Harold Faulkner or... You'll have a character uh, like Blair Gladwell or, you know, like the commissioner, for example. They're all heightened. They're all doing a campy version of their character where these younger characters like Allison Chambers, Adam Faulkner, so on and so forth. They're playing it straight. So there's like this tonal inconsistency throughout the entire fucking movie. And it. It definitely confused the shit out of me or confused my level of enjoyment because I'm like one minute I'm like, oh, man, this motherfucker's hamming it up and I'm enjoying it because we haven't seen intentional hammy performances in a slasher movie in a long time. Now, I do believe that Eli Roth with Thanksgiving, he put a little bit of that in there, but it still played it pretty straight. And then it was like funny in a conventional sense. This just went off the rails so many times. Um, so we've got to get into the movie itself, but I will say right off the bat, I agree with Jeremy 100%. The villain, the design of the mask, a fucking plus, um, you know, it's another fucking guy with a weapon in a robe, a black long robe, which we've seen. Honestly, I'm getting sick of it. But the one cool thing is it wasn't just another fucking regular dude in a hood. I'm so sick of seeing that. shit. I'm sick of seeing black hoodie killers. Um, I loved the weapon because it's something we haven't seen before in a horror movie. And it was, you know, had a blade that came out of it. It's used to bludgeon people to death. So that again, another a plus for me getting into the movie though, much like Brady said, I, I don't think it all gelled. I don't think it all worked. I think the bones are there here with this movie. And I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the movie. There were many moments of enjoyment for me. There were moments where I jumped out of my seat and was like, fuck yeah, this is cool. But so, Brady, Mm -hmm. the story, you're a politics guy. 
what's what's the whole basis of what this movie is? Nothing. That's the fucking issue. There's no fucking basis. The, the whole concept is that it's it's a mayoral election in small town North Carolina where it's like the incumbent is quote unquote status quo and then the person challenging them is just trying to make change. But they don't ever discuss anything. And I get it. I don't need a policy stance in this fucking movie. But you don't literally hear anything about what either one of them stands for in this town. It's literally just, I want to keep things the same. I want to change things. It's... And that's why it's like when you call it satire, like I get it, like it leans in that direction. But like, so for instance, like Thanksgiving, like when we talked about that movie, Eli Roth had tons of stuff that he peppered in throughout the movie that in its moments were very biting, especially about um, consumerism and and how that turns violent and how that makes people change and and how they act towards each other and how consumerism has blown into this whole thing where people, the middle class just can't afford it anymore, right? But this movie, it was literally just like, let's put in a political story because that's literally the most divisive thing that we can think of right now. So it seemed lazy and there was nothing biting about it. There was nothing that made you go, huh, that made me think like maybe there is a concept here. It was literally just let's do this because we need to introduce a killer who's going to target the mayor's daughter. The, the the challenger's daughter, like now everybody's getting targeted. Now they're both getting targeted. Like what the fuck was it supposed to be? Well, I, I will say that the the twists in the movie actually did keep me guessing because there is a moment when we have one of the killers and he's unmasked and he gets killed. And I was like, holy shit. Okay, so there is more than one killer. <laughs> yeah, but then and you I, make the whole... I immediately half, connected the dots. I immediately connected the dots to who the other killer is. Half the fucking because cast are watch, killers. <laughs> if you watch... Well, again, I think this, like you said, it, it beats you over the head continuously and the message of the movie, politics, yeah. politicians are bad. Politi- politicians are evil. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to jump right. in real no, quick. It, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in. So when you were talking about the, uh, the hammy performance uh, from Harold Faulkner, who uh, was, was running for mayor's office, and you're like, well, it was kind of uneven with this character compared to how the kids were acting. Um it kind of reminded me of Stuart Charno's character, Ted from Friday the 13th part two like this, his performance was wildly different and his personality was wildly different than, than most of the other cast members in Friday the 13th too. So I feel like arguing uh, about some of the performances and un- unevenness of this again, if this was an eighties horror movie, it would have just, it would have, uh, yep, there it is. You know, this that's the wonky guy that's running for mayor. I, I, can't, I can't I can't agree with you about Ted. I don't think that he's he's totally I mean, this is like people playing it completely straight. I mean, Ted's just like a funny character. Yeah. He's just like a really super goofy guy. I mean, when you compare like this Naomi Grace who plays Allison Chambers, for example, I'm not trying to be mean or vicious. I thought she was actually terrible in the movie. Thank I you. I didn't think she was good at all. I thought she was Thank pretty you. good, um, man. But but um <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I'm sorry. I, I just I, didn't think she was good I, in the movie. I, hey man. I thought uh, I thought the, the Olivia. I'm gonna butcher her name. Nickenen, uh, who played Melissa Faulkner, did a much better job. I was actually way more connected to her performance. It was more subtle, um, but um, it's subtle in. Well, we'll get to the ending. Then we can talk about the other side of that. But that's the problem. What's the direction? 
Like, is yeah. it is it completely campy and satire or is it trying to be serious? Because we have this character, Mr. Jackson, played by William Russ. Yes, mostly known. As soon as he showed up, I was like, it's the Boy Meets World Dad. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck yeah. It's Mr. I Matthews. Like, I know who that is. And it made me feel old as fuck because I used to watch that show on TGIF. And he's and old he as fuck look now. Old, yeah. And now he looks like he needs a fucking cane to walk or a fucking walker to go to the grocery store. I was like, holy shit. His character, for example, is so even keel. It's so subtle. He's fantastic. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, everyone yeah. else around him is doing something totally different. And that's, again, I don't know if it's intentional. I don't. I, I would hope that it was, but at the same time, why have such tonal inconsistencies? Why not just go full camp? I don't know, and man. Make it all work I, that way. Objectively, uh, I don't think this movie would have worked if they would have gone full camp. Like Thanksgiving was full camp. You know, there was there were some serious moments to it, but for the most part, you know. I felt like Thanksgiving was full camp. I don't know if this movie specifically would have worked. Um, I like I liked the campiness that some of the characters brought while the other actors were playing it straight. I don't know. Like I I kind of enjoyed the dance between serious and and camp that they were doing. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I I agree. I don't think that you can make the whole movie campy, but. If you're not going to make it campy, you need to have some oomph behind the other things you're doing, like the satire, or you need to make it at least look like you weren't lazy. Like, it seems like, you know, I, I read an article that said that the Bloomquist wanted this to launch their careers. Like, they really wanted this movie to be their breakout, as everybody does. But, like, <clears throat> how are you going to launch your career when all you're doing is making a hollow version of every fucking slasher movie that came before you? Like. I- to get to get into yeah. kills real quick to get and before we dive into kills there's one kill that i really thought was going to be so fucking good and it's when um uh the the ex-girlfriend uh, i believe lily is her name is dragged over glass in the theater how do you I actually really like this how kill. do you, well i don't <laughs> like how do you have a kill that's so fucking dumb like you could have made that so gruesome like you want to lean into the sadism there then do it and then you just back away from it and slit her throat. Well, Brady, she gets her fucking throat slit and the effect was good. And she yells mommy. But the, I will say this, though. It In Slasher, uh, the rule book, rather, it took way too long to get to that kill. Oh, yeah. Because the opening of the movie, we're led to believe that Melissa Faulkner is thrown by the killer over a bridge. Real quick, can I right? ask you guys, when this happened, did you believe it? Did you no. believe that she was getting killed? I didn't either. No. No, 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 no. I, I immediately, because of the way that it was shot, mm-hmm. at first I was like, oh, they're shooting this very poorly. Like, you can't see anything. And then it was it clicked in the back of my brain like, oh, no, they're doing this purposely. So we can't see everything. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I mean, honestly, I knew throughout. All right. So we have to just get the. Yeah, fucking, let's just get it out of the way. Whatever. So Adam Faulkner Spoiler. and Melissa Faulkner, the kids of Harold Faulkner that's running for mayor. They're the killers in the movie. So we're led to believe that Melissa Faulkner is thrown off a bridge in the opening of the movie and that she's dead and they're doing like this search. Mm-hmm. They're not doing a very good fucking job though. Well, it's also because the cop, one of the cops is in on it with one of the other council members. Right. 
plus. There's a lot of people knows. involved. There's a lot of the people whole, involved. Yeah. yeah. So then, like, it's almost like this whole. I, do we want to get into this now? But, yeah. Why not? With I, the ending. I, dude, I mean, yeah. It's I, all about political corruption, and the, I dug. Ending, I dug how wild the end of this movie was kind of woven <laughs> together. I'm like, there were five people, right? Five people yeah. that were involved in master that we know of. Yeah. mining this entire plot. So that we're led to believe that, yes, there were two killers, which was the brother and sister, but then there were three other people that were like basically puppeteering this plan for their own agendas. And can real quick, do you want, can we explain what that fucking agenda is? Go ahead, because it was one of the dumbest things in the movie to me. <laughs> in the Constitution, there is the 25th Amendment, which came up a lot during Trump's presidency, uh, and is about lines of secession. So who takes over if somebody is unfit for office? Or uh, if they die, Or if right? they die in office. So like, you know, typically yeah. in our country, the if the president dies or is impeached or whatever, it falls to vice president. After vice president, it's speaker of the house and so on and so forth. So this was all about the town or William Russ's character, uh, Mr. Jackson, realizing that he should be the best mayor. Dude, he just wanted to kill everyone so he could become fucking He wanted to become mayor. mayor. So he instead of running an election, he fucking orchestrates the kids to kill their parents. Which which is wild because as stated literally in the movie, everyone loves William uh William Russ's character, Mr. Jackson. So it's like, okay, yep. you're already a beloved He's the most unassuming guy, too. You're the most beloved figure in this town. You probably would have won the election if you just ran. Right. Instead, he wanted to murder the entire fucking town. Uh, what, what do you call it? A little use of political theater? Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, was, um, I was so... And, and that's the other but, thing, Justin. You were talking about it. When he he's like so even killed the whole movie, even at the end, when he's revealed as part of the whole plot, you almost Motherfucker, he never even talking. raises an eyebrow. He's just like... He it's like he's talking to Corey Matthews about like a coming of age. He's like, well, you know, we had to kill them because this is how politics works. You know what, though? I will say this. I fucking loved the fact that he stayed on that level because everyone else around him was so, Animated. you know, they were jumping up 10 feet in the air and he stayed right there the entire time. And it showed. I mean, you're, you're in a politics, man, that politicians, that's their facade. And they present themselves as this version of themselves they want you to see. And that's what he was the entire time. He was, he's acting like he was this caring, loving teacher. And... In essence, he's just pure fucking evil. The one part that I do like about his dialogue, and most of the dialogue in this movie sucks. I'd say 97% of it. But when... Oh, Brady, come on. Oh, well, it, I'm not lying. But when uh, he's revealing himself and Allison is like, well, what about all the people you killed? And he's like, those two teenagers? <laughs> what were they going to do in life? I was like, okay, that's actually pretty good. I actually loved that line. I mean, I, I won't, I'll say this much. They did a great job as well of presenting characters much like you know uh tyler and Britt, i couldn't wait them to see them get murdered the fucking oh god yeah badass ki- yeah. high school kids that were like fucking with everybody trying to prank people and that whole sex scene was so awkward right at but dude they, they pulled that right out of scream where the tyler kid comes out dressed as a killer yep. and chases down the hallway um yeah allison down the hallway i was like really that's why again this this felt as much like Jeremy said it it tried to steal that tone from the 80s it was extremely derivative of 90s slashers as well yeah uh 
from the style that it was shot to the score to even the ending when we get our big reveal, which is not a big reveal because if you paid attention to the fucking movie, you already know that Melissa's not dead and she's probably the other killer. You know, the whole family thing. I mean, it definitely screams scream. Badoom. Well, what's what's and- wild? Yeah. What's wild about this movie is it's like the the two writers and the and directors were like, we love 80s horror. Let's do that. And to me, it felt like as they were writing the script, they were like, you know what the fuck else we like? We both really like Scream. And it was like, yeah, we do. Huh? And, and everything else, man. I even felt a little bit of urban legend in there. Yeah, like, for sure. That's what I was getting to. I felt like Melissa's character was a shoe-in for Rebecca Gayhart's character, Brenda Bates, in Urban Legend. Like, her whole performance at the end was even more that than Scream, to me, at least. Yeah. Her hair was all fucked up and messy, her makeup was all over the place, and she was just a super over-the-top bitch. Even her dialogue and presentation of the dialogue, delivery, rather, screamed Urban Legend. So I was like, you know, I was, I was, I was digging that, but I was like... None of this was a surprise to me, and we got to get to what is the most important in a slasher movie. You brought it up briefly, Brady, but the kills. kills. And I actually remembered, I had a good enough memory after the movie that I wrote all of the kills down. Not the people that get killed in their, the character names, but I actually have all the kills. So the first one, I agree with you, Brady, it was generic as fuck. I liked, again... This has been a common uh, trend recently. We saw it in It's a Wonderful Life as well, where a killer's stalking teenagers in a movie theater. These old mom-and-pop, you know, classic movie theaters. I love it. Sure. Keep giving it to me. That's awesome. Um, but her kill was lackluster, you know? And I did... I, I actually felt slightly bad for the girl, even though she's a fucking cheater. Mm-hmm. You know, she cheated on her fucking boyfriend. Yep. She is the mayor's daughter, but she wasn't that big of a bitch. I mean other than the fact that she was making out on the job in the movie theater in front of everybody. In front of the guy that she just cheated on. I guess it is 2024, though, so I I guess get with the times, that's what's cool to do. Yeah. And put it on TikTok. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) Not on threads. I'm I'm happy that we... We didn't just get a bunch of kills with the mallet. The hammer. Sure. What the fuck's it called? The gavel. Gavel. There you go. Um, We did get characters getting hit with the mallet and bludgeoned to death but i loved how that blade handle came out um jeremy what was your favorite kill in the movie if you if you recall uh mine is uh adam faulkner's uh demise yeah that was mine too the letter opener to the face (laughs) Uh, no 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 no. uh wasn't it no 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 the son adam the son oh adam Adam, okay yeah yeah. um with all the log or whatever and the reason the reason why (laughs) is because he was chasing after our 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 lead character, um, and I feel like he wasn't necess. I don't know if he was necessarily going after her to like try and kill her. I think he was just trying to convince her. I don't like, think it's he okay. was. Yeah, I don't think he was just going to tell her everything that was going yeah, on. Yeah, and it ended with uh, Allison's dad protecting Allison and like grabbing a piece of fucking like broken wood, whatever the fuck it was. And like shoving it in his stomach, and he hits the ground, and it's honestly an emotional moment. You can tell that he wants to tell her what's going on, and like I'm sorry, and like 
I would never hurt you or whatever. And like, he can't even put words together because he's bleeding out. Because he's and like dying. Yeah. yeah he's gargling and on his. I thought blood, it, yeah. it was such a, a cool moment when she catches him because honestly, I wasn't expecting that scene uh, at that point. In I liked movie. that scene as well. And I liked uh, the stylistic choice of the killer leaving those notes. Yeah. I love that, you know? dude. But. Also, it looked like those notes would take like three fucking hours to do, even if you were a good artist. So I was like, okay, they're taking this much time. And she catches him in the middle of it where it's like, okay, he's been doing it for the past however long after he killed those kids. Maybe because it was in a classroom so much, I kept getting like like very small glimpses of Cherry Falls watching this one too, especially during those scenes. Um, You know, we, we reviewed that one with Alone in the Dark podcast, and that one... Went full fucking camp, dude. Yeah. That one went 100% into that direction, and that's why I really enjoy that one. I'll dare say that the kills here are better, though. I think the kills are better. I, you know, my favorite kill, incorrectly, I stated a few minutes ago, but it is Harold Faulkner. Um, he gets killed with Blair Gladwell, and they're about to kill each other. That was brutal. And mm-hmm. and they both get fucking, I mean, she gets the the knife to her heart, and then he gets a letter opener to his face. And I loved how mean-spirited this was because you see the impact like over and over and over again in his face. And I was like, okay, they went there. you know. They, and it looked good. It was good practical effects work. Unfortunately, guys, there was a case of some CGI blood oh, here and yeah. there. But unfortunately, or fortunately rather, it wasn't overutilized to the point where I got annoyed. We saw a lot of practical effects, a lot of practical work in the kills. So, I mean, overall, like, I think the kills were pretty pretty fantastic for the budget. I think they were creative enough. It wasn't just another situation of, you know, scream, so it's a knife, so we're just going to see a bunch of stabbings throughout the entire thing. I mean, there is a lot of knife to the throat. We get that at the end and stuff. Um, but kills were fun. Brady, what was your favorite, dude? Um, if you had one. Yeah, I mean, I think I really liked how a lot of the kills were set up. So I liked with Harold, I liked how it was it was going to show him killed. Um, I think, though, it took me out of it when it showed the close-up of his face. It just it The visual just didn't look as gory as I wanted it to. And, and then same thing with, like, the glass on the floor. Oh, you gorehound, you. Oh, man. Uh, so this one's going to be kind of weird. I really like the scene, the part where Tyler gets killed. Um in the uh in the classroom just because like you know it's coming and then he gets hit with like some sort of like something from the desk it's not even i don't even think it's the gavel i think they're using something on the desk to kill him and they just like beating the shit out of his head and i was like that's yeah. that's pretty mean-spirited and that's when it's effective. yeah i didn't i didn't know what that was but he grabs something and he's swinging it full fucking force on the kid yeah, and yeah, just yeah. over and over and over again and then his girlfriend Brit, she like runs off and of course she's wearing just a bra and he chases her what into the the gym or something and she's like holding that. her her chest and screaming i learned my lesson miss mr jackson <laughs> let's just be clear that's that's what she says and it's awful yeah yeah she runs into the I'm gym sorry mr jackson <laughs> Hide, hides behind the bleachers good chase that was a good chase there's not a lot of chases in the movie that was a decent chase uh it was all right yeah okay it was all right <laughs> Uh, I do want to also say uh, it was surprising with how many people ended up being in on this. Um, I love that. I really, I really did not like how they spoon feed you, how they set up everything at the end. 
like where yeah. it's like basically rewatching the entire movie as like the killer. So this is when this is when we were at the bridge, the beginning, and then we, uh, you know, it was it was a, a dummy that we threw over there, and it's like you were saying, Justin, it shows how why the shots were framed that way. Dude, if you watch the opening of the movie, you can clearly fucking see it's a dummy going over the bridge anyway. You could have done this whole scene with just having William Russ explain. Hey, this is what we did. This is who got in on it with me. This is the city councilor that was in on it. This is the police officer. I convinced them that that, that would have been fine. Also, I would say we wouldn't need an explanation, but in these movies, it's kind of like a, a foregone conclusion. You have to do it. Um, and then also, like the beginning, Jeremy. Going back to what you said too, you know, when it, it's the two characters of um, Allison and, and Melissa, you know, it's their romance, and and Allison's about to leave to go. Um, move with her dad because they've had tragedy and she's going to go to school. So you're under the assumption that they both know that they're not going to last. And they even say that, like Melissa says, I know we're not going to be forever. Uh, But then when she gets thrown off the bridge, Allison runs back into town and there's two like old timey dueling, like, uh, protesters and and like it's almost like the Hatfields and McCoys like they're literally five feet away from each other being like I'm gonna vote for this candidate no I'm gonna vote for this candidate and then when she goes for help they suffocate her because they're like no no we can only help her that's when I knew that I was that was a cool overhead shot though I liked that that yeah. crane or not not crane shot but that drone shot that like lifted up above them yeah it took the, way too long to get there but I thought it was good. cool but I was like dude was this cool. is really what we're gonna deal with so yeah that's kind I of mean the, the, that gets you again set up for the movie the campy element the the motivation for why all of the killings, why choose to do this thing and everything. Again, going back to 80 slashers, man, I can't tell you how many 80 slashers that have the most dumb ass explanations for why the killer decided to start killing. And then I even think about scream five, the motivation for the killers in that movie. And I'm like, you know what? Founders Day had a better fucking motivation than Scream 5. I'll give him that, even though it's, like, fucking silly. Um, one more thing I wanted to call out before we we start moving towards the end of this thing. Because um, I don't know how much more we can really say on it. Um, but, Not much. dude. Very true. <laughs> how on the nose they they attempted to replicate certain things from Scream. In the town hall meeting is was literally the from fucking scream that exact score was over the town hall meeting and i was like i looked over at at chris my buddy and i was like holy shit man like literally the the score from scream so one thing dude can i can i just say can i just say one thing about that town hall meeting the best fucking character in the entire movie yes yes is that dude who's just randomly from new york and he's like Five people the dead. Hey, five people the fucking dead. She's fucking crazy. Dude. I was like, okay. <laughs> he was great. I was man. like, I was like, I love this fucking guy. This just made this entire scene for me because the mayor shows up. Obviously, she just lost her daughter. She was she knows drunk. she's probably gonna lose. <laughs> Dude, it shows her like pounding fucking brown liquor, and I was like, I almost threw up. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. She walks in. Dude, her performance. Uh, Amy Hargrave's performance as being a hammered mayor. Pretty good. Ridiculous. Absolutely. So good. So good. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Uh, And she she was like, she was like, go get some weapons and we're going house to house. And then like everybody got quiet and the crazy New York guy goes, she's fucking crazy. Like, dude, (laughs) that shit was was so good. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Best part about that is 
she leaves the town hall meeting, goes back to her office, and pours another super huge glass of brown liquor. And that's when she finds Harold in there, and that's when they start bickering, and they almost kill each other. And then they die. They die. I'm with it. Yeah, I mean, so we've kind of brought everything to the surface about Founders Day. I think it's time to let our listeners know if it's trash it or treasure it. And Brady, I'm starting with you. Get this movie. Final thoughts, and are you going to treasure it or trash it? Uh, I mean, final thoughts are just how I opened it. It's just a very hollow, toothless attempt at political satire that's a very low-hanging fruit because of where we're currently at in the world, and they just think that they can insert uh, political divisiveness and say, cool, like here's our, our overarching plot. Um, your characters are entirely unbelievable. They're all over the place. Uh, and I think that, <laughs> you know, we always talk about in Scream, like, oh, when are they going to do more than two killers? And when they finally did it, it's, you know, like that's kind of like what this movie did, except like the whole fucking town is in on it. Uh, and it makes it, so fucking stupid. Um, this movie did not. Wouldn't need- it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it require that many people though to make this kind of thing happen, Mister Politics? Wouldn't it really? You know need what that he much could support? do is follow the democratic process and register, <laughs> and not, just right? just not kill people. He could, you know, register to just not run murder half the for time. the the election. But I digress. Uh, yeah, this movie did not need to be made. Uh, I wish it had never been made. And there are times oh, that you can go rough. back. There's nothing good about the movie. There's nothing that makes me want to go back and say, hey, I should rewatch this. And, you know, when I trash or treasure a movie, I have to say, would I rewatch this? Would I recommend somebody else to rewatch it? Uh, no, absolutely not. Like, you, there is nothing out of this. You get nothing out of it. You don't get very good kills. You don't get good characters. You don't get a good story. Like, I honestly would rather watch Night Swim all over. <laughs> that's sacrilegious motherfucker seriously because at least that had Wyatt Russell so a great actor doing a pretty mediocre performance uh, all right for that reason right. <laughs> I will be trashing the fuck out of this movie okay well my man little ghost Jay Jeremy little ghosty Jay <laughs> you know you better get them cold bones ready for these arms these girls be getting cold in the wintertime, dog. And I'll be right there to warm them up. Ah. Say less. <laughs> um, I'm treasuring it, guys. Ugh. I fucking fuck, knew it. Fuck I you. you fuck both of it. you. Go to hell. Request brothers. Let's start a podcast so I can get away from these fucking losers. And uh, no, uh... <laughs> No, dude, I... I see what this I, was. You're like, oh, all right, all right, fuck you too. Uh, no, man, I I turned my brain off and I got to enjoy a new slasher movie that was riddled with flaws, but so were the majority of the 80s slasher movies that I love. Um, you know, obviously this is not an 80s slasher movie. It's it's an homage of sorts to one, but I I was able to enjoy and appreciate it for what it was and how ridiculous it was. And honestly, I hope the Burquest brothers do another horror film, and I want to see what you bring to the table. Bloomquist? I said Burquest. Um, Them (laughs) two. I was like, what? Them two. That's okay. You're running out of zeros. It was close enough I was going to let it go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's their cousins. They're they're that's the Muppets related. version of the Bloomquest yeah. brothers. <laughs> uh, Bloomquest brothers, Bloomquest. All due respect. All due respect. Is it Bloomquest? Uh, B- Bloomquest. Bloomquest. Yeah, yeah. Bloomquest. 
Uh, them. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I want to see what they. Uh, <laughs> Those guys. You're about dims. to get a podcast with them, so I guess dims you better learn. Dims the ones. <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting a podcast at them because I'm fucking moving on from you guys. Um, but no, so I, I I enjoyed it for what it was, and I, I hope that they make another horror film, and I will openly embrace that and go into it excitingly. Uh, and yeah, man. I didn't know how you guys were going to feel about this one. Um, I kind of didn't know exactly exactly how I felt about it, but I know that I had a fucking great time with it, and that's why I'm like, you know what? We're gonna let the good times roll, baby. <laughs> that's go. what it's all about, Treasure. man. You know, walking out, for me, uh, both my wife and myself, I mean, my wife loves slashers as well. We both turned to each other, we nodded, and I was like, not bad. Um, unfortunately, when we started this version of Epic Film, guys, we made our rating scale either, you know, basically like a twisted version of thumbs up or thumbs down, and there is no middle ground for a rating. If there were, I would probably place this there. But since we don't have one, it's going to get a trash it. I didn't hate the movie. So, Jeremy, fuck you for saying fuck me. Fuck both um, of <laughs> I enjoyed quite a bit about it. Uh, I think it is riddled with tons of issues and flaws. I understood what they were attempting to do. I wish that it went full camp. I wish that it went full satire. I think that... More horror movies in the genre should go in this direction. I found it to be exciting that it went in this direction. It wasn't so self-serious. It also was not meta, which I was like, there was only one mention I could remember. They mentioned Michael Myers, right? Mm. I think. That mm-hmm. was it. Yeah. When the, the ex-boyfriend was outside the window. It was a good shot. Cool homage, too. We've seen it done in fucking millions of other horror movies, but, you know, it did something... And there was passion behind it, and I appreciate it for that. But it's going to be a trash it. Still enjoyed a lot about it, and I still wouldn't necessarily tell people not to watch it. I think when it comes out on VOD, a lot of people are going to find this one, and a lot of people are going to, much like you, Jeremy, enjoy the fucking shit out of it as a throwback. And there will be people like Brady who think it's a giant piece of shit. And that's just, you know, films are subjective. That's just the way it is. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is it here for our Fresh Fright review of Founders Day. If you've liked the episode, this is your first time, welcome. If you've listened to the show a million times, be cool. Head on over to Spotify or iTunes, leave us a review. Spotify is even easier because you just have to click stars and press submit. You don't even have to say anything. And, of course, you can find us on social media at Epic Film Guys, literally every social media platform. And this podcast is available everywhere that podcasts are located seriously we're on everything but thanks again for listening and i'm justin i'm jeremy i'm be ready and as always we like to ask you to keep it Ooh. Ooh.